This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong, and this is Vancouver Consumer. Uh, Still to come, if you're looking to get your future in order through estate or just personal planning, our next guests can help. We'll talk to the folks at Bell Alliance right after we hear some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. While many of us are still waiting on our ICBC rebate checks, here's something to think about when it comes to driving in the Lower Mainland. There's a new study on where all the car accidents are happening in the Lower Mainland. And the number one spot for car crashes in the past year, the Knight Street Bridge. There were 242 crashes on the bridge in 2021. The number two spot after the Knight Street Bridge The intersection of Boundary and Grandview Highway. And number three, the Iron Worker Memorial Bridge. That's where all the accidents were happening last year, and I'm sure it's the same. This doesn't count the little fender-bender accidents that happen in parking lots or to parked cars. Vancouver Coastal Health is rolling out a focused monkeypox vaccine initiative this week in collaboration with Vancouver Pride events this long weekend. Pop-up vaccination sites will appear around Metro Vancouver, the Davie Street Village, as well as specific Pride locations throughout the weekend. If you'd like to find out where, go to the Vancouver Coastal Health website. As of July 27th, The BC Centre for Disease Control reported 58 cases of monkey pox in the province, which so far has mostly affected the 2SLGBTQ plus community. Coastal Health is reminding people that stigmatizing people is never okay, unquote, and that the virus can affect all people. Montreal's public health director says vaccination remains the best strategy to reduce transmission of monkey pox in that city's LGBTQ community. That's running contrary to the advice from federal chief public health officer, Dr. Teresa Tam, who recommends men who have sex with men limit their number of sexual partners and practice safe sex. Uh, Dr. Mylene Druan says her office is taking a harm reduction approach and adds the outbreak of 299 confirmed cases in Montreal appears to have plateaued. The TV business has certainly changed as consumers are offered more and more choices, including online content. And it's meant that some TV shows, including soap operas, which have been on the air for decades and decades, are having to pack it in because their ratings just aren't there. This past Thursday, an icon in soap opera content, a daily show called Neighbours, aired in Australia, its last episode after 37 years on the air. And uh, if you're not Australian, you may have never have heard of Neighbours, but it, one of the reasons it's so iconic is because of all the talent that has passed through the soap opera. It seems like every Australian actor who went on to become an international movie star did time on Neighbours. Just to name a few, Russell Crowe, Chris, Luke and Liam Hemsworth, Margot Robbie, Kylie Minogue and Guy Pearce all got their start on that show. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. Still to come, if you're looking to get your future in order with a little estate or some personal planning. Our next guests can help. We'll talk to the folks at Bell Alliance 
right after this. Welcome back. I'm Martin Strong. And how prepared for the future are you? Well, you're in luck if you'd like to become more prepared, because with me now is Richard Bell with Bell Alliance. You can find them at bellalliance.ca. They are the experts when it comes to estate planning and also personal care planning. How are you, Richard? I'm great. Thanks very much, Martin. Great. So let's, first of all, let's talk about the difference between um, estate planning and, and what you call personal care planning. What's the difference? Yeah, estate planning really is focusing on what happens when you die. So it deals with uh, wills or trusts or other documentation like that. Where personal care planning is focusing on what happens when you're still alive, but you need some help, you know, perhaps with financing, health care decisions, that sort of thing. So there's a clear distinction, obviously. Uh, I, I've passed away. What's happening to my estate? Uh, I'm doing fine, but have some health issues and perhaps losing capacity. And who have I got who can speak for me in that situation? Right. In, in one of those instances, uh, you're actually there. So it's very <laughs> important. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about how prepared people are. I mean, in just a, sort of a broad question, do you think most people are as prepared as they should be when it comes to personal care planning and estate planning? Yeah, it's a pretty simple answer, Martin. No, I don't think they're, <laughs> they're organized. So, you know, I've looked at some statistics around this, and you know, apparently only about 50% of the adult population actually have wills. Now, that might be changing a little bit just because of the aging population and people having lose, lost loved ones. Um, but what the other stat that's sort of interesting is that of those that actually have done their wills, uh, only about, about 75% of those people actually realize that they should be reviewing their wills because they're not up to date for any number of reasons. And so, again, it's that challenge of, yes, I need to know, I, I know that I need to review, but gee, I'm really busy today. Um, so uh, we just... And I think that's the, you know, the good thing about this program is being able to sort of encourage people to be uh, taking a look at their estate plan and, and personal care plan and getting something done. Richard Bell is with BellAlliance.ca. Uh, they're the experts uh, in estate planning and personal care planning. And we're talking about wills. And what do you say to people who say, well, I don't need a will. I'm, I'm married. I've got a couple of kids. But if I die, the money all goes to the spouse. Um, what, do you, what do you say to that? Yeah, I guess, you know, if you really wanted the government to decide what happens with your assets, not having a will is okay. But there's some uh, some scenarios where people just aren't aware of what the situation would be when there is no will. And it's called a, an intestacy is what it's referred to when there is no will. But if you take a couple that uh, perhaps have done quite well and uh, one of the, the couple has investment properties, um, if that person passes away, the spouse will likely have the principal residence in a joint tenancy, so they will inherit. But after that, the spouse has a preferential claim against the deceased spouse estate for $300,000. But anything more than that, and if there's investments in real estate, it's pretty easy to be more than that, then there's a 50-50 split with the children. And when the children are minors, the surviving spouse has the misfortune of dealing with the public guardian and trustee. I mean, they do a good job, but life is complex. And when you've lost a spouse, you don't want to have that complication. Plus, what happens is that that child 
the children, when they reach 19, will then be able to get control of the asset. So it's just a, it's a good example of, of what can go wrong when you don't think it's important to, uh, to get a will. And also, you know, if there's a disabled child and a disabled child is inheriting, where's the trust that uh, you would want to establish for that disabled child if it's just passing under an intestacy? So it creates real complexities and significant negative financial consequences, potentially. So I guess the bottom line, the very first step is to get a will. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the other first steps for people. Um, you know, like when when do you think people should start thinking about estate planning? At what point? I mean, uh, is it just for older people who are, you know, getting ready to shuffle this mortal coil or, or is it for other people as well? Yeah, I think it just makes sense for most people to get their wills done, even when they're younger and single. It's just uh, all we know, unfortunately, is bad things happen to somebody. You can see it every day in the media, but becomes certainly much more important once there's once you have a home, you've got a mortgage, you have a family. It really is absolutely essential that that gets uh, that the will gets prepared. You want to be appointing a guardian uh, for any child if something happens to the two parents. Uh, you want to create trust provisions in case again something happens to the parents. Um, you don't want the kids getting control of their assets at the age of 19. So there's a whole bunch of reasons why it's important for, for everyone, particularly once there's children. We're talking to Richard Bell on Vancouver Consumer. Richard is with Bell Alliance, a uh, Bell Alliance LLP. You can go to bellalliance.ca, their website, to find out everything about them. And, uh, you know, you're, you're speaking to people who, are, who might be listening who are, you know, maybe early middle-aged and they're just starting to think about estate planning and personal care planning and just getting everything in order. What's the, the process? What's the first step if somebody goes to bellalliance.ca? Um, what, what would you want to do with people? Um, have a, like a meeting? What, what are you asking them? Yeah, so basically what we ask is uh, to gather a bunch of information, you know, help us understand who they are, what their life circumstances are, you know, are they married, do they have children, Um, because it starts to define what we think their plan should look like so that we get a little little bit of knowledge before we're sitting down with them. And, you know, we do so much of this that there's um, we've got a pretty good feel when we're having that initial meeting, and we're sort of focusing on a, a little bit of additional information that we start we need to discover in order to make sure we're getting a proper plan in place for them. Yeah, I guess I guess listening on your part is very important. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's let's talk about uh, say say people getting their will in order and all that stuff. Uh, picking an executor, how important is that? Yeah, I got to tell you, Martin, I'm I'm smiling at the other end here because it is <laughs> it is very important. You know, I do quite a bit of public speaking, and one of the things I always say is the only people that ever agree to be executors are those that haven't done it before, um, right. because it is you know it's a big job, and there's lots of stress, and sometimes there's family dynamics that increases the stress level. It takes a lot of time. It it is a lot of work. I mean, you're uh, disposing of the remains, you're organizing the funeral, you're paying your debts, you're paying taxes, um, and it, it just takes a lot of time. So really, you're looking for someone who is very organized. 
Um, I tend to recommend that it be one executor uh, because what happens is that um, when there's multiple executors, there tends to be one that's a little more, more organized than the other. <laughs> and it, it's so they're waiting for that other. But in some fi- family situations, uh, you know, our clients just say, you know, we want both of our kids to be involved. In, and that's fine. We just uh, uh, explain to them the, the challenges and that it does take time uh, to wrap up the estate. It's usually, a, you know, a year and a half, two years before, in fact, the, the job is, is really finalized. Wow. Uh, We are talking to Richard Bell from Bell Alliance. Uh, BellAlliance.ca is the website. Uh, When it comes to estate planning and personal care planning, they are the people to call. And we're talking about wills and and executors. And uh, let's talk about the people who you deal with, because I guess uh, everybody's different, obviously. And when it comes to this kind of stuff, I guess a lot of families are... Uh, more complicated than other families. You know, people have been married many times. They've got children with other, lots of different families. I guess it gets pretty complicated at times. Yeah, so, you know, there's sort of three sort of standard scenarios we see. It's that young couple with young children. And so what they're doing is they're giving to each other, and should one of them pass, so one passes away, it goes to the surviving. If both pass away, we have trusts for the, the, uh, the kids. Uh, and if there are no children, then it usually goes to siblings. As we get in uh, advising on older clients where they've got children and grandchildren, things change a little bit there because uh, the, the, the clients often want to give something directly to a grandchild. It's usually just a small amount so that there, there is a legacy uh, and a connection between the grandparents and the child. The other thing we start to see, particularly where the uh, couple's children are in long-term marriages. We often start to see the, you know, perhaps if a son passes away, there's something that goes to the daughter-in-law as well as to the grandchildren. But, you know, you sort of flag this in the question, which is, you know, what happens on uh, second or third marriages where, you know, it may be a couple where one is older, they're bringing their own children into the relationship. and there may be a, a, that age difference. So there are scenarios where we have to say, well, you know, the older uh, spouse, if they pass away having adult children, when will those adult children actually receive part of the estate? If everything's going to the current spouse, those children may be 60 years old before they uh, inherit anything from their parent. So it does become, you've got to be a little creative, and, and often uh, the discussion ends up, you know, I think the two of you should go away and have coffee and discuss it a little bit more in private because the, the tensions can sometimes build as you get into those discussions. Yeah, and I guess if you deal with those tensions uh, at the time, uh, because these little tensions can probably grow into huge problems and situations that are just untenable once it's too late after somebody dies or something. Yeah, because, you know, the goal is is that when someone passes away, part of our job is to ensure that everyone understands what's going on, and, we, and we've anticipated some of those challenges. When I'm talking to clients with second marriages or clients in general, I'm saying, you know, my role here is to put before you the what-ifs of your planning process here. And so it really, I think that's probably the most important role that we provide as professional advisors. And so what, what's the age when you think people should come and talk to Bell Alliance? 
Well, we certainly, uh, most of them are coming to see us once there's a child born. Although, you know, Martin, what I often find is that, you know, we've helped a young couple uh, buy their first condo. Uh, They've got one child and they say, absolutely, we need to get our will done, but they don't get it done. Uh, we, We have them come back when they have their second child because they now need to buy a bigger property. And uh, that's when the young couple say, okay, we definitely need to do it now. So uh, they should do it in the first instance, but eventually they do it in the the second. And then I think the other scenario is just this revisiting of the wills. There's a number of strategies that we can look at to to help people simplify the probate or certainly mitigate that probate process. Um, So, yeah, I think it's uh, we recommend that, you know, certainly once you have a child, you get a will. And then you should review that will every five or ten years, particularly as you age. Right. And get some help from Bell Alliance, bellalliance.ca. Uh, we're talking to Richard Bell. And when we come back, I want to ask about uh, uh, how complicated things can get, especially with people who own businesses as well. And uh, some other tips that Richard has, you know, how to avoid probate and what is probate. We'll talk all about that when Vancouver Consumer continues with Richard Bell from Bell Alliance, bellalliance.ca. That's coming up. I'm Martin Strong. Welcome back. This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking about planning for the future with Richard Bell from Bell Alliance Limited Liability Partnership. BellAlliance.ca is all you need to know. Go to BellAlliance.ca. That's their website. You can get all the information you need because they are the experts when it comes to estate planning and personal care planning. And uh, Richard, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, how complicated it can get with people who, who are on multiple marriages and have all sorts of different children in different situations. I guess the fact that uh, some people own businesses, that, that can get very complicated, can it? Yeah, it can. Uh, you know, we're gonna, I know we'll have a little discussion around probate uh, coming up, but one of the things that we do with uh, where someone uh, has a business, so they've got private shares in a private corporation. Uh, a few years ago, it wasn't that long ago, that the provincial government uh, uh, allowed us to create uh, wills for private shares in business and then a separate will for the deceased's uh, other assets. And the end result of that is it reduces the cost, the probate fees, that are payable because we do not have to pay probate fees on shares in private companies. There's a, there's sort of a, I'm not going to call it a trick, but there's a way, the way that you specifically have to structure it so that you have separate executors under each of the wills. So again, we find a lot of uh, folks, uh, particularly, you know, baby boomers uh, and tech folks who have uh, done quite well in building their private businesses. And so that's a real benefit for them to be able to have those separate wills. Yeah, I would think you'd need some expert advice because it would be very complicated. Yeah, it's, uh, I always say you really have to, you know, for any professional, they, 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 they really need to have a specialty where they're focused on a given area because this is complex stuff uh, from a legal perspective, but it's also complex stuff just dealing with the family dynamics. So, I think it's really important that people are are working with professionals who spend a lot of time in this area. You know, one of the other uh, situations in a will that uh, important is, you know, if you have a disabled child, 
uh, or spouse for that matter, and there's disability, uh, disability benefits being paid. Um, it's best to have a disability trust established through the will. It's called uh, Henson Trust is the language that's used for that. Because if someone inherits directly uh, through an estate, they potentially lose their disability benefits. So having that, that Henson Trust is really important. What we do in our wills too, we have a, we have a generic disability trust because we've come a sit- across a number of different situations. And you know, perfect example I had, uh, this lady passes away, her will said give to her son, and if her son predeceased, give to her granddaughter. Well, son had predeceased. She had not changed her will. The granddaughter was disabled, um, so she was going to lose her disability benefits. Now, we did come up with a creative solution to get around the problem, but I certainly don't like to have to come up with creative solutions when there could have been a simpler solution to have the will drafted properly. Interesting. Yeah, it's always best to do it long before the uh, the little the little uh, you know solution at the end. Uh, we're talking to Richard Bell with Bell Alliance, BellAlliance.ca, uh, all about estate planning and personal care planning. And uh, I mentioned probate, and I think I'm probably like a lot of people. I I think I sort of know what probate means, but def- I mean define what is probate. Yeah, probate is the process of getting a court order formally appointing the executor or if there's no will appointing the administrator. You know, and essentially it's it's a sort of a protection mechanism, in fact. So you can just imagine, you know, walking into a bank and saying, my spouse has passed away, here's the will and here's my identification, uh, put everything in my name. Uh, the bank is going to say, that's very nice. I, I'm very sorry for your loss, but you could you go and get a court order that, in fact, appoints you as the uh, executor of the estate? And the same thing happens with uh, land title uh, matters. You can't, as an executor, transfer real estate uh, unless you've got a court order appointing you, and that order then is registered uh, in the land title office, showing you as the executor having authority to deal with the property. Um, with an intestacy, uh, it's just a little bit more complicated, uh, a little bit more expensive uh, when you're using legal services where there is no will um, because you have to make an application with supporting affidavits from family members and, and potentially others that says, yes, this is the logical person to take on the role of managing the deceased person's estate. So c- can you avoid probate? Yeah, there's a number of techniques uh, to avoid it. When we're dealing with a a couple, uh, we're often having a discussion around if you have assets in joint tenancy, which normally the real estate, uh, the principal residence is in joint tenancy, um, we're suggesting they put their bank accounts in joint tenancy. And I guess, you know, people are coming, you know, in my world, they're coming together later in life. Uh, Everyone used to be married in their early 20s. Now it tends to be uh, early 30s. And so we're recommending that they look at putting their assets in joint tenancy. When one of them passes away, the assets then uh, go to the survivor independent of the will. The assets don't pass under the estate. Uh, Similarly, with beneficiary designations uh, for RIFs, RSPs, TFSAs, they pass directly to whoever is designated as the beneficiary. We use this technique in a, a Again, I'm smiling here at this end, Martin. I take care of my 94-year-old mother, 
and all of her assets, I'm a joint tenant with her. But what I've signed as a result of setting up that process, I signed a document that says, although I'm registered as a joint tenancy, I actually hold in trust for her. So when she passes away, I deliver death certificates to her financial advisor and bank, etc. Everything is in my name. I hold in trust for her estate. So I'm distributing under her will, but I haven't had to go through the probate process. Um, so let's just we, we work with a lot of our senior clients. To, to how do we simplify this? Right. And it, once again, doing it early in the process saves a lot of not only time, but also money, I'm guessing, as well. And, and I guess so many of your clients are dealing with, with aging parents and, and how to best deal with that. Yeah, I think that's, and, and again, that's one of the reasons we really think it's, you know, when you're younger, if you don't look at your will for 10 or 15 years, that's okay. But when you're 70s and 80s, um, it's really important to review. And I, I always, in dealing with clients, uh, you know, tell them the story about in real estate, it's location, location, location. Well, for estate planning purposes, it's simplify, simplify, simplify. Um, there's a couple of other techniques that we use to avoid probate. Uh, one's uh, setting up a, what's called an alter ego trust or a joint spousal trust. Uh, and what we do is we roll all the assets into this particular type of trust. It's a tax-free rollover, uh, so there's, you're not triggering any taxes. The uh, principal residence exemption for the home still applies, but again, it avoids uh, going through the probate process. If you do have to go through probate, um, the, the turnaround times vary, but uh, you know a little longer in summer and a little less time in in, uh, in spring and fall. But you're looking at sort of uh, four to eight four to eight weeks to go through probate. There's a probate fee of 1.4 percent, so it's 14,000 per million. So as you look at some of the larger estates, particularly when you think about real estate, um, it can get quite expensive. The other thing you could do, it's a little more complex, and, and timing is everything. You give everything away before you die, but that's a that's a tough trick to pull off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you got to make sure you don't give it all away too soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, and just on that, Martin, again, uh, the stories are wonderful. I had a, a lady come in to see me, and uh, she said she was going to give uh, $200,000 to each of her children. And we looked at her assets, and I said, you know, you need to think about if you live to be 100 and you're in care for the last 10 years, um, this could be, a, you could be financially challenged. And she uh, sat back and, and contemplated and said, you know, Richard, I think I'm going to give each of my kids $100,000. Uh, <laughs> so I just cost her kids some money. <laughs> I hope they're not listening to the program. <laughs> oh, they'll get it sooner or later. Yeah, that's right. Richard Bell is our guest. He is with Bell Alliance. You can go to bellalliance.ca. We're talking estate planning and personal care planning. Um, and one thing, uh, the idea of a power of attorney, it seems sort of a straightforward thing that, you know, somebody who's getting older and they're sort of losing their faculties. But what are some other cases where, where you might need a power of attorney? Well, again, you know, Martin, bad things happen to people who are young or old and, and you know, car accidents. Unfortunately, we hear about them every day. Um, so power of attorney is, uh, you know, historically when I first started practicing, which was a long time ago, 
uh, we used to set up powers of attorney requiring that the person who granted it was actually incompetent before it could be used, uh, lacking mental capacity. Over the years, I've learned that someone may simply be away. I mean, I've had clients hiking in the Himalayas and something needed to be done. I've had clients on cruise ships. So we usually recommend that, obviously, in a couple, you're appointing each other, and we recommend that you have someone else and that you allow either of them to help. Uh, we can put some constraints on, but you know, power of attorney is most frequently used when there's a bit of a crisis and to create barriers for the use in a stressful, uh, stressful situation. Uh, it's pretty challenging to book appointments in a timely manner with psychiatrists and psychologists. So uh, it just it really is important that when people are doing their wills, they also make sure they deal with these personal care planning documents. And power of attorney is which manages your financial and legal issues if you are unavailable or unable uh, to do so on your own. Right. And in these last couple of minutes that we have, what's your opinion? What, what is the biggest misconception that people have about estate planning? Yeah, you know, it's just the, it's what I call, you know, the, the round to it. Um, you know, just get around. And they just say, well, I'm going to get it done. And, and COVID has certainly made people aware that the risk of, uh, of bad things happening uh, goes up, went up fairly uh, quickly during COVID. So we certainly saw people reflecting. Aging population uh, is more and more people are certainly cognizant of the need. And they're talking to their kids and saying, you need to get this done as well. And and Martin, I just wanted to mention one other thing on that uh, personal care planning is that the power of attorney does focus on uh, financial and legal. But the other document that is equally important is what's called a representation agreement. Mm -hmm. And what this is doing is appointing someone who could make health care decisions for you including the removal of life support, for example. Uh, so when we're dealing with clients, we really highly recommend that if you're going to take the time to do your will, do your power of attorney and representation agree at the same time. And that will then bring all the key documents together. We reach out every five to six years to just say, hey, has anything else changed in your life? Do you need to talk about an update? Right. So I guess the, the takeaway from all this is uh, do it now. Whether it's a will or financial planning, a personal care planning, estate planning, do it now. And the first move is to go to bellalliance.ca and uh, talk to Richard Bell. Uh, It was a a nice uh, talk today, and uh, I would just want to thank you for your time. It's my pleasure, Martin. Thank you. All right. Richard Bell with Bell Alliance, as I say, bellalliance.ca. And coming up on Vancouver Consumer, a new bill wants Netflix and other streamers to help pay for Canadian productions. But is it a good idea? And will it end up costing Canadians in the long run? That's coming up next on Vancouver Consumer. Welcome back. It's Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. I want to thank Richard Bell with Bell Alliance, a limited liability partnership. Just go to bellalliance.ca because they're the experts when it comes to estate planning and personal planning. And for years, broadcasting companies in Canada have had to support Canadian productions by both funding and playing the Canadian content on their channels. But with the dawn of the Internet and streaming platforms like Netflix and Amazon Prime, suddenly these content providers 
aren't bound by the same set of rules as the regular broadcast TV stations. But now, here in Canada, an online streaming bill, which has passed the House of Commons and is now in the Senate, would force American-owned platforms like Netflix to promote Canadian TV, movies, videos, or music and help fund the production of this Canadian content. So as well as uh, show the Canadian productions on Netflix and Amazon Prime, they would have to kick in some money to help pay for the production. Federal Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez claims that this online streaming bill, Bill C-11, if passed, would generate at least $1 billion a year for Canada's creative sector, including Indigenous programs. However, that's not going over too well, uh, obviously with the streaming companies, but also in Washington. The U.S. government is now raising some concerns about the trade implications of the bill. To them, these extra costs that uh, Netflix, for example, would have to cough up amount to a tariff to do business in Canada. And some legal experts warn that as a result of this bill, Canada could face hundreds of millions of dollars of retali- retaliatory tariffs if it becomes law. Michael Geist, the University of Ottawa's Canada's research chair in internet law, accused the Canadian government of ignoring the trade risks linked to its online streaming bill. He says it's clear that the U.S. is paying attention to this bill. But one Toronto-based lawyer, Lawrence Herman, said though Washington is raising concerns and applying pressure on Ottawa, the U.S. US is, quote, a long way from retaliation. He figures it's just negotiation. He says in his assessment, the bill is not discriminatory. YouTube, however, in its submission to the Commons Heritage Committee, argued that this new bill would impose international trade barriers to the, quote, exchange of cultural exports on digital platforms, including by Canadian creators. They say it will set a harmful global precedent. So we'll just have to watch out, see what happens with this proposed bill. This is Vancouver Consumer. We're here every Saturday from 2 to 4 in the afternoon. I want to thank our producer, Jonathan Chung, and uh, our other producer, Leo Coelho. I'm Martin Strong. The news is coming up next. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.